we did like a people's microphone, which is where one person leaves the statement and the other people repeat it back so it's amplified. Mm -hmm. So I was the leader and we called him out in front of everybody in the room. Wow. People from the teachers union and fellow politicians and all of like the local Rhode Island stakeholders with a lot of political power. I don't know if he was embarrassed, but he was staring right in my face. We were two feet apart and I was calling him out and then the police escorted us out. Hi, Anya. How are you? I'm good. How was your run? It was like nice. I was just taking it easy. And I listened to Sammy's podcast and Chaz's, so that was really fun. Very nice. What do you think? (laughs) It's honestly, I'm like not a big podcast person because I have a hard time focusing, but they are both so entertaining. And I was like literally smiling like a fool on the trail when I got to Sammy's shout out. I was like, oh my God. I know. Wonderful. A key thing to note is that you are highly requested by Chaz and Sammy and also other viewers too. It's nice to meet you too, by the way. Oh yeah. First time meeting, which is nice. How's being home? Where are you from again? Um, so I'm from Wisconsin, Southeast Wisconsin. We're like 45 minutes north of Milwaukee. So that's where I am currently. Yeah, I've lived here since I was eight. We used to live in Pennsylvania. So a lot of family from the East Coast. My aunt who's like a mountain woman. She's amazing. So we all climbed Mount Washington together on one weekend and that was amazing. No way. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like 6,000 feet or something. God. Like a backpacking trip? No, we drove to the mountain and started climbing at like 7 a.m. and probably got down the mountain at 2 or 3 and then like came home and passed out. <laughs> oh my god. Just did it all in one day and you were like, all right, yeah. all my days work. So you're a sophomore, right? Yep. You are too, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're concentrating in environmental studies, is that right? Environmental science, but oh, environmental pretty science. similar. Okay, very cool. And did you come into Brown knowing that you would do that, or did you just kind of discover it along the way? I mean, I've kind of wanted to do that since like the seventh grade, which is kind of weird oh, because wow. I feel like Brown is always like, you can change your path entirely, and like most people don't know what they want to do. But in yeah. seventh grade, I went to this like all girls STEM day camp. And one of the things we did was um, we put on huge waders, you know, like rubber boots that go up to your waist. And we went into a river and did like a survey for macroinvertebrates, which are the tiny animals that live in water. So like crayfish and scuds and like mayflies and all that sort of thing. Uh And you can use that survey to figure out the pollutant level of the river because certain species can't live there if it's too... um, like if there's too much dissolved or not enough dissolved oxygen or, you know, like too much turbidity, which is when there's a lot of like dirt and sediment in the water. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know, there was a light bulb moment. I was like, wow, I didn't realize you could do this as a career, like get to play outside all the time and like <laughs> learn about the earth. This is so cool. And then, oh, wow, that's since wow. then. I didn't even know that you could do that in like a river. <laughs> like, yeah. I need to take that seventh grade course that you <laughs> Was it like a science camp or something? Yeah, although what ended up happening is I like contacted the program and me and my dad like adopted a part of the Milwaukee River and then maybe two summers in middle school, I I was like in charge of that segment of the river. So we'd go out like every two weeks and we had our toolkit and we would um, do like citizen science, which is basically just when like citizens are trained in like a basic scientific method and then contribute to like a larger body of research. So it, we would like input data and it would go to the Milwaukee um, Watershed Program. So we were, we were part of a larger like nature program in the area. 
Okay, so what was the program that you were a part of? So there's this really cool nature center. One thing that's awesome about Wisconsin is like there's so much land and there's a lot of insane geology because of the glaciers. So there's so many different environmental organizations here, not necessarily like radical like climate action groups, which I wish there was more of, but definitely just a lot of like people that love conservation and the outdoors. So this nature center is called River Edge Nature Center. And um, when I was younger, I would like volunteer there every summer and teach summer camp with like, like one year I did maybe like five year olds. Yeah, we go out into the river every day. One day we did a big tubing thing where like we had inner tubes and floated down the river. <laughs> we'd catch frogs. The kids would always feel super brave if they got a leech and then we'd like put salt on it and it would come off. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. So you really grew up in this environment of just always being in the outdoors and sharing that experience with other people. Yeah, which is definitely a huge privilege. Like, I think in the moment growing up, I was like, oh, everywhere, everybody lives someplace like this. And that's just not true. So it's definitely a privilege. And it's been really cool at Brown to learn a lot about like all the multiplicity of the outdoors and like that it can mean so much more than just having like a lot of free space that doesn't feel super civilized. Right. Could you expand on that? Like, how have you explored more of like the outdoor space at Brown? So. I know Sammy talked about this in her video, but we're both part of the OC, which is the Brown Outing Club, Mm -hmm. um, which is such an awesome club on campus. So we've done a lot as an e-board, which I think there's like about 50 of us, the leaders, to just learn more about like inclusivity in the outdoors. Yeah, just, just starting to understand how nature is like always with us. It's not just like some place you get in the car and drive far away to be in. Mm. That's really interesting. Like, even the main green is, like, a great place to be outdoors and, like, enjoy the outdoors. Oh, I miss it so much. (laughs) I know. And especially on a day like this where it's hot, I imagine this would be a day where everyone would go out on the main green and just, like, lay around. Mm Mm-hmm, like, play frisbee. So how did you first become involved in VOC? Did you kind of just see, like, one of their emails or something and were like, oh, that resonates with me and then just kind of joined? And then how did you become a trip leader? So that was definitely like the Brown Outing Club was something that I did my research on when I was applying to Brown. And I was, you know, you're like spewing all that, that kind of fake stuff about like, oh my God, I can't wait to work with this person and like be a part of the Institute of Brown for Environment and Society and like be in the Brown Outing Club, which I barely even knew what it was, right? I just like, ooh, outdoors, that sounds like me. So there was a trip offered like the second week of school that was like taking the ferry and going to Block Island for the day. So I got on the trip and it was mind boggling. Like I did not realize that Block Island was so beautiful or I mean, I honestly didn't even know what Block Island was. But yeah, that was my first trip. And then I just started making friends with some of the leaders. Like I would really talk to them a lot on the trips. And like there were multiple times where I would email them and be like, I really want to go on this trip. Like if somebody drops out at the last second at like 8 a.m. on Saturday, still call me. Like I will be ready. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went like whitewater rafting. I went on a bike trip. Wow. I Yeah, I did a lot freshman year, and then it ended up being that, like, through that exposure, I knew a lot of the leaders, I knew a lot about what it was about, and then I did the interview process, and I didn't get it the first time. I was really disappointed. And then I applied again the next semester, which was this fall. So, yeah, I've been a leader for, like, a semester and a half, but it's been awesome. Wow, amazing. So, have you been able to lead trips in your mm-hmm. semester? Okay. Which ones have you done? So I think my first big trip that I led, I led a trip to the Cliff Walk in Newport. Some people go to look at the mansions, but if you get mm-hmm. far enough west on the trail, you're like hiking over 
the rocks and it's just like you're looking down into like the crashing ocean and it's so beautiful and then I led a, a fall weekend trip with like 10 people and we went backpacking in the White Mountains Oh, wow. Oh, I yeah. definitely have heard about this trip, the, the hiking one in the White Mountains. Is that in, I might be totally wrong, but New Hampshire? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so was this a multiple day trip that you led? Yeah, I think we went for three days. Wow. The best one, the first day we like car camped, which is basically when you camp at the bo- the base of a mountain and you're like by a parking lot and there's amenities. And then we climbed up and the second night we slept there's like the Appalachian Trail Club. They just run a couple different huts around the mountains. So we stayed in tents right next to a hut, which was kind of nice because the people that worked were there were really kind and we would like come in and have hot cocoa and like Aww. chill out at the tables. But we also got to like see all the stars at night and have a big fire. And wow. like in the morning, all the mist was everywhere. It was just gorgeous. That sounds so pretty. I imagine it must have been a little bit intimidating at first to be the leader and kind of be responsible for this trip I mean it it was probably extremely exciting and as you said you had a lot of experience before in your earlier years like being in the outdoors and and teaching other people but how was your first trip being a leader yeah I think one thing I want to work on but also it's not like the end all be all of outdoor education or outdoor outreach is like Uh I don't have all the the flashy like rope skills and like super boy scouty kind of stuff that I want to work on uh-huh. um but the beauty of the BOC is that we have like a cool balance of leaders that are really really um more stereotypically outdoorsy or have like those more handy skills and then we have people that are EMTs or like which is my friend Eva she's so cool um but people that have like more medical experience people more like me and Sammy that have a lot of experience doing facilitation and like thinking a lot about inclusivity so mm-hmm. together as a team we're like pretty powerful so on my trip I, we always have a co-lead so mine was Brianna McFadden who is a graduating senior in the environmental science department and she's a bolter too so she she kind of handled some of the more logistical stuff like that yeah nice dynamic duo stuff yeah going on. that's a good a good balance I would, like you said like different people coming from different areas all together mm-hmm very nice. And then what is like the difference between Bolt and BOC? <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to figure that out too. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of overlap. Like we have multiple yeah. leaders who are Bolters and BOCers. Right, yeah. Um, BOC is um, year long. We try to run trips every single weekend. It's a little more free form. Like you don't need to apply or anything. Sometimes you just have to fill out a lottery. And we do like a really wide variety of things. So we've done like ice skating downtown obviously like the more typical trips that are like whitewater rafting or mountaineering or climbing but we also have like Sunday night climbing at a a local rock wall Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes like Sammy has done trips where it's literally it's her and her cute dog to go for a walk yeah yeah we're really trying to meet a lot of different needs I love that yeah it seems like BSC offers a very diverse array of like activities from and different intensity levels as well which is really I'm glad to hear that that is something we we talk about constantly and are really (laughs) trying to improve I'm here to confirm it (laughs) thanks Anya (laughs) (laughs) um okay well it seems like VOC definitely takes up a good chunk of your time at Brown um how else do you spend your time well let me shake out the laundry list that's (laughs) crazy um 
I'm a Mickle John peer advisor, which is really enjoyable. Shout out to my four Mick babies. They're so sweet. Um, I also am a really active part of Sunrise, which is um, the climate action group on campus or one of them. Mm. That's really powerful for me. I, I really had like a lot of opportunities to speak with local politicians. Connecting with the Providence community, I think, has been a huge opportunity that it's really easy to get stuck on College Hill we do a lot of collaboration with Sunrise Providence and Sunrise South County. So that's been a really cool way to like, as an environmental scientist, to meet a lot of people who are like adults doing environmental science or environmental activism, which is really empowering because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm in my like crazy college years where I like go to the state house all the time and like go protest and do all this (laughs) stuff. But like, how do you, how do you continue that fire and passion into an adult life? Right. And it feels it feels really good because honestly, like Sunrise Brown RISD, we're doing some stuff that like impacts at a national level and we're doing a lot in Rhode Island. But as Brown students, we don't have that much stake in in Providence. Really, like we get to benefit from the area and then we leave, most people leave right. and we like take our education elsewhere. Yeah. So it feels really important to like build those community partners and sometimes not be the leaders, but keep showing up for communities. So like Hmm. I did a really cool, um, had a cool opportunity to door knock in South Providence to let people know about the proposed expansion of a waste station that through the power of the community, like through their constant calling and we showed up to like public meetings and like called people and talked to your neighbors, that whole sort of thing, the contractor ended up pulling out. So it's not going to happen, which is really great. Wow. Because it was going to put like a ton of pollutants into the air. Uh-huh. Um but I do want to emphasize that was like a lot of local people doing organizing and Brown students just showing up and like being bodies. Right. And that's really says a lot about the power of the community. Right. Yeah, for sure. Then I'm a photographer for the yearbook and I'm a tour yeah. guide, which is really fun. Oh, wow. Okay. Very nice. Wow. You, yeah, you do, you do it all. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that gets overblown though. Like sometimes people are like, wow, that's so amazing. And honestly it's cool. And I like really high energy and can kind of run with it. And it makes me really happy. But sometimes I really get burnt out and I think I'm trying to work on balance and leave a tendency to applaud stretching yourself thin when really like some of the people I admire most are the ones that can like step back and relax and like make time for themselves. That's very true. Yeah, I feel like it's all about a balance of really inserting yourself and like taking initiative, but also like you said, kind of taking some time off here and there. But going back to the Sunrise movement, could you explain a little bit just what it is. Yeah, so the Sunrise Movement is a national climate action movement. The point is to build a large group of power of the youth and like doing a lot of political action and -hmm. also just like culture shift. So there, I think there are like 400 hubs across the country. A lot of them are based at universities. So like Sunrise John Hopkins and and Sunrise Middlebury and a bunch of other places. But there are also Sunrise groups that are like more community-based or like starting out of high schools and middle schools. It launched in probably early 2018 from a group of of students who had done a lot of climate organizing. So it's fairly new, but honestly, like the news coverage and the, the action that's been taken since is really inspiring. I've had multiple older professors or colleagues say that, like, they have not felt so much power and excitement about climate action. I was looking at the website, and it seems like the press coverage and just how much attention it has gained uh, and progress it has made is, is pretty astounding. Yeah, Bernie Sanders kind of loves us, so that was cool that, <laughs> that lasted. I mean, he's still, he's still really important and, like, still making waves. Right, um, yeah. 
So some of the stuff I've had the opportunity to do is obviously like the climate strikes are a huge part of it and a lot of moral protests. One thing that was like really scary but really empowering was um, a small group of us went to a fundraiser for a speaker of the house, Mattiello. So he's a speaker of house for Rhode Island. And he like basically said publicly that climate change doesn't really matter and like we shouldn't do anything about it. So we we snuck into his fundraiser. We all dressed really nice. (laughs) And um, we like ate the bougie food and kind of chilled out for a little while. Surveyed the place. And then we all got together as an exit. Uh-huh. We did like a people's microphone, which is where one person leaves the statement and the other people repeat it back so it's amplified. Uh-huh. So I was the leader and we like called him out in front of everybody in the room, which is like wow. people from the teachers union and fellow politicians and all of like the local Rhode Island stakeholders with a lot of political power. I don't know if he was embarrassed, but he was like <laughs> staring right in my face. We were like two feet apart and I was calling him out. And then the police like escorted us out, which I would like to mention. Oh like, there's a lot, a lot of privilege in that of like not being afraid of getting arrested or like getting right. mistreated. Yeah, um, for sure. so that's something we have to be like careful about and really cognizant of. Yeah, um, sure. but that was really powerful. But for people that aren't ready to like go super political rebel, mm-hmm. it's a lot of like what I've found is a lot of community of of people that are similarly passionate. A lot of peace of mind in some ways. For so many years, I felt a lot of climate anxiety and felt like I was learning all this stuff, but not able to actually do anything about it. Mm. So I think even those small things where it's like, send a letter to a congressman or like reach out to a friend and talk to them about this or amplify this environmental justice issue has been really helpful and like calming in a good way and also Mm. inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I also think the other really cool thing is I've learned just a lot about how politics work, how movement building work. A lot of my understanding of inclusivity and racial justice and like disability justice and all these intersectional issues have come from Sunrise and sitting in on different trainings. So yeah, I really encourage people to at least sign up for the listserv mm-hmm. and maybe like follow on Instagram or something. That story that you told, that that's just awesome. <laughs> Super. I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like, the whole time, I like, know that you guys are going to do this thing and, like, yeah. any idea. Yeah, I'm just, like, munching on my, my crazy snacks that they had. <laughs> like, okay, I mean, I'm, like, I rehearsing my phrases in my head. Oh, my hands are great. shaking a little bit. <laughs> what did you shout at him? Gosh, I can't remember that. But it was, like, Speaker of the House, how can you say blah, blah, blah about the climate? Is it because you're taking money from National Grid and, like, a few other people? And then we said, like, like we demand climate action. Something like that. Wow. I imagine, like, how did he respond? He just, like, called the security guards on us. Like, everyone else in the room was super stunned. Also because we had, like, huge posters that we had smuggled in. Or maybe not huge, but, like, nice posters that we had smuggled in. Yeah. Our shirts and stuff. And everybody was just like, how did they get in here? Like, everybody was just really shook. And so funny. His face was just, like, dead. Like, Like, he was just trying to be so serious and, like, not show any emotion and like he wouldn't really make eye contact with me even though I was really, really right in front of his face damn weird. that's amazing but yeah if you ever want to know how like politics works or how to like just take small actions I think Sunrise is a really good place to start but yeah. there are also so many amazing environmental orgs and I think something that's really important in the climate movement is there's a lot of white people with like a lot of education that have a lot of mobility and like formally recognized power Mm. And I think there are some really cool organizations like We Can International, We Do, Zero Hour, and a bunch of other ones that are like more POC led, like people of color. And we're trying to work on amplifying those voices and people that are that are feeling the immediate effects of climate change and have like that expertise 
and need right now in the news it like always gets overblown like oh like Greta Thunberg is the only young climate activist and like Right. It's very white when really there's like Vanessa Nakati from, she's from Kenya. She's from Minnesota and her mom is Alan Omar. It's really important to recognize that. Yeah, that's definitely an important point. So this seems like the sunrise is a mix between climate activism and the politics side of it, as opposed to doing BOC or when you were younger in Wisconsin, where your interest in this sparked from just like an environmental base so now with sunrise you're kind of bringing into that call to action actually doing something part of it is that mm-hmm. kind of summarize it a little bit yeah i i totally agree uh-huh, it's so yeah. important because it's like people get so caught up in like i don't know i feel like birthday is consistently frustrating for me as <laughs> everybody posts yeah. like their crazy vacations they got to go on and then everybody writes some caption like protect your mama or like She's the only one we got. And I'm just like, okay, this is also another thing that's important to recognize is like, not everyone feels that they have the power or like are so broken down by the system that they are discouraged from doing any sort of political action. And that's really valid and important to recognize. Mm. Um, but just some some of the people that I, that I know that post like that, it's like, okay, this is cool that you like obviously love the earth, but like, what do you do in your daily life? Or like, what have you done in the last year to actually like make a stand for that? Like, you can't just- right. We can't just all assume that there is like this small group of scientists and a few political people and they're going to solve this for us. Like it's going to take everybody or a vast majority of people. And it, it takes a lot of paying attention and like investment that honestly, even at Brown, I feel like is lacking. Sometimes I'm kind of disappointed by like the careerism and like the inability to look outside of your department and think about how does econ intersect with the climate movement? How does public health intersect with the climate movement? There are so many opportunities to to get involved because it is such an all-encompassing issue that's very true yeah to achieve all the the things that climate activists want like you need economists and and public health people and like everything from all different areas that's for sure yeah. it takes all all kinds of folks like you don't just have to be like me and like eat sleep breathe environmental science you can, <laughs> you can have like some public relations skills or know a little bit about fundraising yeah because i feel like as you said, there's a lot of people who want to voice their own concerns about the climate or just about anything really, but then there are only a small portion of people who actually like do something about it. And sometimes that feels like a big ask. Like I can totally understand. Sometimes you want to take action and you don't even know how to start. You don't know where to look. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like either you don't do anything or you have to go all in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is a super, like, problematic and pervasive thought, and also kind of a practice. Like, I think I've had experiences where I feel like a lot is being asked of me, and there's, like, a lot of personal sacrifice that can be overwhelming. Like, sometimes I'm, like, I'm a student, like, I don't have all the time for this, I know this is so important, and then you kind of have a lot of guilt about, I didn't do anything for those people that were hurting, you know, like, you're trying to put band-aids on everything, and I think if we built a community value that was more around politics as a part of your daily life, or political action as something you feel empowered to do that doesn't have to take up all your time, the burden of labor would be much better distributed. Hmm. Yeah, and you probably affect more change as well. Yeah. I don't want to be like, everybody should be a politician, but at the same time, our existences are political, our votes are political, what we buy is political. And a lot of times, if you think that it doesn't matter to you, it's probably because you have a lot of privilege that like the system is not affecting you or harming you in any way, or like you have the money and the the power to like move somewhere, move somewhere else, or like your job is not going to be sacrificed 
Right. So that's really important to recognize. I read this article and it was this guy, I think his name was like Jeremy something. I wish I could cite him, but the best way to do politics is do it with your friends and do it forever. Wow. You don't have to do everything. Like you just do it consistently. <laughs> yeah. Dang. That's a, that's a good quote. It sums it up pretty well. Cause I feel like even for me, like I always say, I want and need to be more of a politically active and knowledgeable and aware person but it just seems like either I don't know enough about something to have an opinion about it or even just mm. dive in. Yeah, I want to, but then there's almost like a barrier because there's just so much information. But then at the same time, mm-hmm. you want to bring it into your daily life where it's not as big of a burden, but it's something that's consistent because it feels like if you do something once, then you feel proud of yourself. You're like, yeah, I participated, but then if you only do that once, it's like you mm-hmm. didn't do anything, right? Yeah, that's totally valid. And I, I felt that for a lot of my life. And I think that one of the things when I say like, like bring it into your daily life, it's not like every day you need to call your congressman or <laughs> every day you need to repost something on Instagram or like donate to some cause. It's also just a way of thinking and unlearning. Like honestly, the bullshit you like learned in school about like Native Americans or the civil rights movement or disability justice like all these things that we are not constantly reevaluating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like having conversations and not, not being afraid to call people in and say like yeah that's a little racist or I think maybe there's something else here but I, I know that that's scary like that is not everyone's cup of tea or everyone feels able to do that but I think it's it's like it's a learning process yeah for sure but a really really important one yeah I like what you said about like it's a different way of thinking kind of almost questioning a lot of things and mm-hmm. then you did mention that you are involved in photography right yeah I was gonna use that as my special talent at the end <laughs> okay okay so we can we can save that for the end but you can say your Instagram if you want oh sure yeah my Instagram is live.photo very creative I know <laughs> <laughs> come on Liv you could have done better <laughs> I think when I was like in middle school I watched some video about like how to get a lot of followers and it was like make sure your username has something about photography in it and I was like all right I'll do it. Is there a certain theme or style that you try and go for is it just kind of it comes with each project? Um, I'd say my comfort zone is definitely portraiture Hmm. stuff with a lot of color. Um, With my twin sister when we were growing up we would like always be out in the cornfield behind our house taking like super dramatic photos or like <laughs> we we would always have like these running lists of like oh let's like fill the bathtub with with powdered milk and do like this this dramatic photo shoot or yeah. you know do all this stuff with lighting and like our, our little brothers and that was really cool this fall I took um black and white film photography mm. which I did still focus on portraiture a lot but really pushed me in in a new medium and has improved my photography I think Wow. But there's a lot of different types of photography out there. It's also really cool, just thinking, again, my mind is, like, so stuck in politics, but, like, <laughs> the power of photographs capture historical moments. Even the photos we've been seeing out throughout the pandemic, there's a lot of power in those images. Yeah, especially in, in portraits. To tell people's stories and kind of put a face to, to situations. Mm-hmm. Bringing together your experiences of, of growing up in Wisconsin and then now being really involved in Sunrise that has the political aspect to it and then you know BOC retaining that outdoor love and then photography which could have some political implications as well but also as a nice hobby bringing all those things together is there something that 
you're almost consciously or unconsciously trying to prepare yourself for or trying to achieve or something? Yeah, tricky question. Um, yeah, I know. Still, still not really sure. I think that's totally fair. I think growing up in a conservative county in the Midwest mm. with a lot of exposure to like agriculture, my current goal is I really want to do more like ag policy mm. and like focus on that side of, of carbon emissions but not really sure hopefully like that guy's advice like I hope I continue to do activism on some scale for the rest of my life mm-hmm. whether it's like formally a part of my career or not is unclear it probably mm-hmm. will be honestly I get so excited about it yeah he seemed pretty passionate about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think photography is a really cool storytelling power like we talked about so yeah. I think that, that's like a good skill to have on a resume and be able to like apply to any job for sure but, I don't know. Honestly, right now, doing a lot of the Brown Connect, talking to alumni. I like it. I like it. Shout out to the Career Lab. They're pretty awesome. (laughs) That's so awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then I always ask this one question. Who are two people that you admire from Brown who you've met and have talked to them and have been like, wow, this person's really cool. Like they're doing their own thing um, and would be good on the show. So I was thinking about this on my run as I was listening to Sammy and Chaz's podcast. Uh-huh. So my first person is really a dynamic duo, which is um, Nina Wolf-Landau and Emma Bouton. They are graduating seniors right now. Pretty bummed that I didn't get to spend the rest of the semester with them. But um, they're both really active in Sunrise and have been huge mentors for me. Radical, comprehensive thinkers, really both so brave and passionate and good listeners and yeah just like really really powerful people that I've looked up to a lot and I really felt like I got taken under their wing Mm -hmm. and yeah I just admire them so much they're so blindsidingly wonderful so so yeah I would 10 out of 10 recommend them they will be changing the world for the rest of their lives and then my second person is one of my best friends Dana Corneawan she is in Singapore right now. I think I know Dana. Did she used to work at Brown EP or something like that? The entrepreneurship program? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she worked at the Nelson for quite a while. Okay, yeah, I definitely have met her. We have a mutual friend. Do you know Ali Zhu? Yeah, oh my god, Ali Zhu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so they were in a class together, and then me and Ali had another class after that, and so we would all get breakfast together. Aww, I, know I miss the ratty. <laughs> Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> yeah, she seems really involved in, in political activism as well, right? Yeah, she has been. She's just brilliant. Like, I, she's my rock. We, like, bond a lot over our political work, but also, like, are able to confide in each other when it's, you know, it's not all, like, happy-go-lucky. Sometimes it's really personally challenging, emotionally challenging. You know, I've had times where, like, like I spent the winter canvassing in New Hampshire, met this horribly racist man who also said some really horrible things about drug addicts, and just like broke down and she is always there for me it can be a lot but she is like cs and environmental studies she always is doing these design challenges she's like the most motivated person i know but she recently did like consortium project where she created an app for kids about washing hands to like get them excited about it wow Um, it was a a pandemic response Uh uh-huh yeah she just always has like a thousand and one projects we're both, crazy. we're both a little too, too motivated. We try to balance it out a little bit yes. together, but she is brilliant and kind and eloquent, a, a critical thinker mm. and humble. And yeah, she would be embarrassed that I am praising her so highly, <laughs> um, but I would 10 out of 10 recommend having her on the show. 
Amazing. To be my president, even if she doesn't want to be the president. Um, I yeah, that. I adore her. Aw, wow, that was, that was great. I hope she listens and to also, this. shout out Sammy for shouting out me, because Sammy is so bold and hilarious and fully herself no matter what. Yes. And I did not even know all that stuff about her, her I know, travel, it's so it's, it's whoever's crazy. listening, go back and listen to her podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah. Her story is definitely one not to miss. Just going back to what you said about how a lot of the times it's not always perfect, it's not always progress being made and good things happening. Could you kind of expand on that or give an example of that from your experience? One thing I've been thinking about a lot really recently because obviously we just finished exams is that like school is really really hard and sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for it because I think at least from my perspective sometimes I think like everyone is doing so well and everyone is so brilliant Mm -hmm. and like sometimes I have that imposter syndrome yeah and also like recognizing that everyone's priorities are not the same I stress about my grades but not that much because I think a lot of the career building work I do is much more outside of the classroom yeah. You know, we're really out here. It's okay if we're struggling. It's okay yeah. if our mental health is not perfect all the time. Yeah. So I would just like to end this podcast with a shout out to all my fellow brown bears for making it through this semester. Especially thinking about Dana, the international students doing all the time conversions and literally central Aww. time. So it's one hour behind East Coast time. And I'm not going <laughs> to tell you how many times I was late to a class or like turned in the project uh-huh. an hour late because I got confused so <laughs> mad respect to them and all the students you know in tough family situations or mm-hmm. just having a hard time focusing or dealing with some personal stuff yeah definitely. and I, I miss everybody oh yeah I know me too well one thing is remaining your show oh, oh I my photography that's my show and tell your photography is not really helpful in a podcast that it's setting but I'm gonna click on your website for a bit so you went to Paris, France? So I went all by myself and stayed with my host sister, Laureen. Oh, wow. Awesome. Really great to see a different way of life. My French is probably the best it's ever been. Even now, after taking two brown <laughs> classes, I think I could really use some more immersion. <laughs> and also, if you do want to go to Paris, so many French people speak English and speak it better than you will probably ever speak French. So <laughs> you you would be totally fine. It's definitely like That's a little okay. Thank you so much for supporting my dreams. <laughs> oh, always. <laughs> These photos are beautiful of like the the town and the flowers and like the mountainside. Yeah, that's that's Annecy. Wow. I love how you captured all the scenes of life. What do you like about doing portraits specifically? I'm I'm a people person, so it's really fun yeah. to really get to know someone um if you click on the one that's jada and julia for pride month they're two of my friends um so it's just really powerful to like hear their story and be able to share that especially in our community that's a little straight laced homogenous um and super white uh-huh. so yeah i just think there's a lot of power of storytelling and just having that that personal connection with portraiture you get to create the scene a lot more which you really enjoy wow yeah so you kind of have a say in where it goes like you can take initiative yeah and it's a little slower pace like you know you really get to to mold it the way you want to yeah I feel like my kind of little podcasting is my way of photography in your in your (laughs) language (laughs) that's awesome yeah what was the inspiration for the podcast oh well So I actually have always wanted to start a podcast ever since last summer. I stayed in Providence because I was working um, downtown, but I had a lot of extra free time outside of of the internship just because with no school and everything. And so 
I would listen to this one podcast on NPR called How I Built This. And mm. um, it's by Guy Raz. And he basically interviews a bunch of really profound CEOs and like founders of different companies. Like there's Yelp, Whole Foods, uh, Southwest, like just a plethora of really well-known mm. names. Um, but except he wouldn't really talk about like the finances or that kind of stuff. He would really delve into the people's stories and how the companies came about. And I just found it super interesting. And so in the summer, I would go on random phone calls with people just like on LinkedIn. I would look at Brown alumni and be like, oh, this guy was a chef. Like I I like food. Like I want to know how he did that. So (laughs) I literally just would message them and be like, hi, do you want to have a phone call? And they'd be like, and a lot of them are super, super nice and very willing to just kind of chat, which I found was really cool. And so I would just have these really cool conversations on the phone um, and be like, wow, like these people's stories are super cool and I want to share them with other people. And so that's kind of how the idea came about. Gotcha. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like you're, you're interviewing all these cool people, but you are also very cool yourself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's my pleasure. I get to meet people like you and like Chaz and Sammy who are have all these amazing stories and are very inspiring. This is a really cool way to like, <laughs> you know, even though even though we know a lot of people, I feel like in the back of my mind, I'm always like, like everybody at school is so, so special and unique. And you really just want to know people's stories that like, a lot of times we all are like, fairly normal around each other. Nobody really flexes about like, before Brown or even flexes too much about what they're doing now and I'm always like holy crap like you're volunteering at a children's hospital with like kids that have cancer or like wow you're like designing a healthcare product that is like winning national awards like who are these people and it's so cool to hear that yeah that's that's exactly the sentiment that I feel when I talk to people especially in coming in the first year but also just in the second year and all the time at Brown so far it's just you don't really know people unless you sit down and talk to them and you find all these amazing things. And what's unique about Brown is that like this happens with everyone. It's not like you have to mm-hmm. talk to these people, you know, like everyone has these incredible stories that you never really know about until you just kind of sit down and talk with them. So yeah. that's kind of Although like- I do, I do feel like in my, my life now, the more I've pushed and like learned to talk to people, I feel like everybody does have some really special stories and like talents and like just things that you wouldn't expect even in my hometown like I've met a few Very people true. through volunteering or like local jobs and I'm like wow you guys are fascinating yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> so true like everyone has a story which is is really amazing to kind of just talk to people and, and discover it yeah Mm-hmm. but yes the energy at brown is like no other I would agree <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Liv for taking the time to do this I really appreciate it thank you for thinking of me and Sammy I was so flattered <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course yeah now now I understand what they're talking about it all makes sense now <laughs> you should you should do a reverse interview where the your followers get to learn about you oh my gosh <laughs> one day that's a good idea I'll do that yeah well, thank you so much. This has been. Yeah, wonderful. it was really nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. And enjoy the rest of your days and your summer. You too. Bye. No bummer summers here. I know. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a bummer. Summer, a little bit. We'll, a little bit. We'll entertain ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Take a lot of photos. Yes. Make a lot of podcasts. I'm excited. <laughs> Will do. Alrighty. <laughs> All right. Bye, Anya. Thank you bye so bye. much.